Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks, Daddy Issues, Dealing with Your Past to Embrace Your Future. In this message, Worth the Hurt, we unpack four types of heartache and four keys to healing. Remember, unexamined cracks tend to break. Let's lean into the message together. Well, today uh, we are continuing a collection of talks entitled Daddy Issues. If you got a Bible today, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Thank you, guys. Can we give it up for the worship team just doing an incredible job at all of our locations? This is what the scripture says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. And it says, and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I love this foundational verse that we have been looking at because we started this collection just three weeks ago and we really, we started week one with this idea that we all have a hunger for approval. That every one of us, we need to be needed and we need to be known. And many of us at times, we have a difficult time relating to God as a father because we had a bad earthly father. How many of y'all know if you had a bad earthly father, sometimes it makes it difficult to see God as a good heavenly father. And part of this entire collection is that you would hear the voice of God saying, I am proud of you, I see you, and I love you. Last week, we took some time to go backwards. I think that if you're gonna embrace the future that God has designed for you, sometimes before you go forward, you, you gotta go backward. And a lot of us went back to where we began, our family of origin, which has shaped us and influenced us. And what we discover along the way as we go back to our family of origin is that many times we have unaddressed patterns of sin. And many of us, if we're being honest, we have wounds from the sin that's bleeding into our present even now today. We've got to confront that and we've got to change that and we've got to address that. Sin, I was thinking about it even this week. Sin is, it happens on three different dimensions. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but this is important for you to get. Sin, first and foremost, happens by you. And what does that create? That creates guilt, that creates levels of shame. But sin is also done to you. This could be divorce or betrayal or abuse. And what happens? It creates an emotional crisis. It creates angerness, bitterness, resentment. But the third dimension of sin is that sin happens around you. And what does this do? This ends up creating trauma. This ends up creating lies of the enemy that if we keep believing the lies, we will find ourselves deceived living a life that we're never called to live. So we have to go backwards and confront some things in order to move forward. And today I wanna talk maybe on one of the deepest sermons I think I've ever given from this stage and I'm just really believing the spirit of God's gonna work through me today to minister to you. Because I I wanna preach about the path of healing and I titled today's message, Worth the Hurt. Worth the Hurt. Because we left off last Sunday and I was challenging some of you to do this thing called filling out a genogram, which is your family tree, but addressing patterns and cycles of toxicity and even sin and addressing those things. Here's what I've learned in life. That awareness doesn't always lead to adjustments. I've got one of those home security systems in my house. You probably have one too, uh, where you set the alarm code and you put the digits in and then when you close the door, it's 30 seconds, you're out. I always like it leaving the house, right? I feel like I'm, like I'm MacGyver. Some of you don't know about MacGyver, but I'm like, there's a bomb about to go off when I leave, you know? 30 seconds, all right, let's get out. And uh, a few months ago, to be honest with you, um, there's some sort of a malfunction in the security system. I don't know what it is, I think one of the doors needs a new battery, but what it does is every minute it puts off this beeping noise. Beep, 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 beep. And at first, if I'm gonna be honest with you, it really annoyed me. And so one day after being annoyed, I went over to the alarm thing and I tried to to work on it, but I'm not very handy, like that's not my spiritual gift. I tried praying for the alarm system. (laughs) And to be honest with you, I just, I didn't fix it, I became impatient To be really honest with you, I just left the mess. What's crazy is that like three months later, every minute and a half in my house, beep, 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 beep. And what's funny is that people will come to my house now and I've gotten used to the beeping. But friends who walk into the house, it bothers them more than it bothers me. Hey bro, do you hear that thing going off? What's going off? You don't hear 
That noise, what noise? The beep, 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 every minute in your freaking house. How many of y'all know we all have blind spots? There's areas in our life that we are blind to that everybody else around you can see it clearly. And I wonder today, what areas of your life are broken that everybody else around you, they can see it, but you're allowing it, you're tolerating it, you've learned to live with it. What have you learned to live with? Just because you're aware of it doesn't mean you'll adjust it. Have you learned to live with the jealousy? Have you learned to live with the insecurity? Have you learned to live with the toxicity? Have you learned to live with the promiscuity? Have you learned to live with the addiction? Have you learned to live with the abuse? Because if we're being honest today, some of us, we've learned to live with things that are robbing us. And today I wanna remind you that God did not create you so that you would live bound and shackled He sent his son Jesus that you might walk into not just halfway freedom, but into total freedom today. Total freedom. Total freedom. Here's what the book of Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. What a powerful passage. Fight to protect, to guard this heart because your heart is where your life will operate from. What happens to many of us on the journey as we go backwards, we confront that there has been abuse, there has been trauma, there has been pain, there have been wounds from our father. And our heart in many cases has been broken. And what happens when you have a broken heart, if you don't address it, it doesn't get better, it only gets worse. So many of us in your day, we're dealing with a broken heart from our earthly dad, and I said it week one, I'm gonna say it again. Earthly fathers who forsake their earthly sons tend to create earthly sons who forsake their heavenly father. This word forsake means to leave or to abandon. And some of you know all too well what that was like, that you were abandoned, that you didn't have somebody in your life. There is a massive father wound. And what happens to a lot of us on the journey is that if we don't address that wound, if we don't adjust our life according to that wound, what we're gonna do is what Jeremiah says, Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13, he says, my people have committed, someone say two sins. They have forsaken me, meaning they've forgotten about me. They've left me. They're not considering God. They've forsaken the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns. But these cisterns are broken cisterns that cannot hold water. He's saying, because you forgot about God, now you think it's your responsibility to go and forge your own future, and you're doing God's work, but as you do God's work, it doesn't lead to your healing, it only leads to your brokenness. What I'm trying to say is that when God is not put in his proper order, your life will always be out of order. And this word from Jeremiah is such a clear word that still hits us loud and clear thousands of years later, and especially right here today, those of you online, those of you in the city, right here at South Miami, because some of us, we know all too well about this type of life. I've edged God out. I'm not going to God for healing because I have a bad image of my earthly dad, and so there's no way I could trust my heavenly father, and so let me go and make my own future. And so what do we do? We dig out cisterns. What's a cistern? A cistern was a container that would hold water. And the idea of the cistern is that water was sustenance. It was the source to keep you going on the journey. But the problem, he says, is that as you dig out your own cisterns, the problem is, is that your cisterns, well, they have holes in it. And it doesn't matter how much water you draw, you always, always continue to leak. Your cisterns are broken, your cisterns are cracked. They're leaking, they're not overflowing, they're leaking. And I love it what Proverbs says because Proverbs He says, you better guard that heart because your heart is the wellspring of life. And how many of y'all know, cisterns are a good picture of our heart because many of us, we have a broken heart. And so guess what? Your life, like a cistern, if it's not surrendered to God, it leaks. Your heart 
it leaks. That which is supposed to hold love is now leaking love. That which is supposed to hold encouragement, I can't encourage you enough. You can't come to enough services because every bit of encouragement that goes in you, it leaks right out of you. Your heart which is meant to hold validation is leaking validation. Your heart which is meant to hold purpose, it doesn't matter how good I preach, it doesn't matter what I share, all the purpose deposited into you leaks right out of you. Your heart which is supposed to hold love is now leaking love. Why? Because somewhere on the journey we, we, we edged God out because of a past trauma, a past hurt. Somewhere on the journey someone let us down and what do we do? We start to adapt to the brokenness. Some of you today, this is, this is gonna get heavy because some of you, it's like, dude, I'm aware of it but I've just conformed to it and it's like that alarm in your house, Rich, just beeping every minute. That sounds annoying, but after a while, you don't even hear it anymore. You don't even hear the beeping anymore because you got used to it. And some of us in this place, if we're being honest today, we've just gotten used to our holes. Can I preach it how I feel it? Some of us, we indulge our holes. Some of us, we're taking the broken areas of our life and we're defining our identity from our brokenness. And instead of trying to figure out why we can't be filled up, instead of trying to figure out why am I leaking, all we do is we just try to, let me just get more, let me just, if I get more, then, then I'll be satisfied and then I'll be happy. But friend, it's a lie from the pit of hell. And many of us, if we're here today, as we start talking about daddy issues, and as some of you even went back, there was an awareness of what happened to you, but you don't know how to adjust, you, you, you don't know how to heal the cracks of your life. We could talk honestly for weeks and weeks around the different symptoms of daddy issues. Today, I just wanna give, give you four really quick because I just think maybe you land into one of these, that many of us, we've been wounded by our past, we've been wounded by a person in our past. We've been wounded by our earthly father, our earthly mother, and now those wounds are bleeding into our present. And it doesn't matter how much we get, we leak out. And father wounds leave us with deep, deep heartaches. I just want you to write these down. These are just four common heartaches that I see in so many people today that are 40 years old, 50 years old. The first heartache that I see is the bruised heart, the bruised heart. The bruised heart comes from someone who's just constantly beaten down just never affirmed, just always rejected, always belittled. What is the result of a bruised heart? The bruised heart leaves people insecure. It leaves people always second guessing themselves, always wondering, is this a good idea? Watch this, it's not that you lack vision, it's that you fear execution. And what I want you to understand today is that what you are is not holding you back. It's what you think that you're not that is. Some of us today, we, we're bruised in this place. I have a friend, he's 42 years of age. He's a phenomenal writer. I mean, this dude is a writer, 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 writer. He's a good writer. And somewhere in his late 30s, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a writer. And so he, he sent his dad some of his writing. His dad wrote him back in his late 30s saying, this is such a waste of time. You'll never make any money being a writer. You, my son, are one of the greatest disappointments of my entire life. My man's 42 years of age, but he's still trying to deal with a bruised heart. Why, because when your heart is bruised, it's like any bruise, right? You can put makeup on it, you can put clothes over it, you can cover it, but the moment that it's touched is the moment that the pain is felt. I remember one time I, um, I bruised my ribs it's amazing because you, you would never know my ribs were bruised, but I remember coming to church one Sunday and people would come up and give me a hug. And when they'd hug me, I'd go, ouch. Why? It's not the action, it's the pressure. And some of us in this place, a bruised heart is always clearly seen because once that place is touched, pain erupts. Some of us in this place, our heart is bruised. It's like, I can't do closeness or proximity because soon as I get close, you're touching the wound and it reminds me of what I'm missing. 
reminds me of what I longed for. I, I, I can't do it because I have a bruised heart. And many of us today, God wants to heal your bruised heart. Maybe it's not a bruised heart, maybe it's the performance heart. A performance heart. This, is, this typically comes from, from families that teach you that love is conditional. Let me just be very, very clear. As soon as love is conditional, it's not love. It is one of the things you ought to know about your God is that he doesn't love you conditionally. He loves you just the way that you are. But as he invades your life, he heals you and takes you on a journey of becoming who you're called to be. But some of you, you grew up in a home that you were taught how to act. And when I say act, I'm talking about an actor, an actress. You knew how to project that everything was okay, and before you know it, you have a world-class degree in people-pleasing. And so many of us in this room, your greatest fear in life is losing other people. What you don't realize is you're so afraid of losing everyone else, but in the process, you're losing yourself. You somehow have determined in your mind that I have to light myself on fire to keep other people warm. The performance heart is always marked with this definition of I'll show you. I'll prove my value, I'll prove my worth. It's interesting because I've gone back even on my own journey and I have wonderful parents, amazing parents. Yet my dad, he traveled a whole lot as I was growing up and I was raised in a Christian home, a religious home. My parents are the most loving people. We have a beautiful relationship today. They're my heroes. But I, I, I began to realize in my life that I was suffering with a performance heart. As my dad would go away, when he would come back into town, all I ever wanted to do was please him and I started to live my life out of fear of not pleasing him. And what it begins to erupt into is this people-pleasing mentality. That's tough stuff as you become a leader because how can you be a leader when your call is to hold the standard but you're so afraid of letting people down? I remember one time I was talking to my therapist because I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm a people pleaser. Like I go to the extent that if you blatantly hurt me, somehow I will convince myself that I did something wrong. I remember talking to my, my therapist, he said, Rich, with that type of logic, you do realize that you think that Jesus is responsible for Judas. Can I just help some people in this room? You are not responsible for how other people behave and you are not responsible for how other people feel. trying to please people, trying to, trying to outperform, trying to keep up with everything. Let me meet your need. As long as everybody's happy, I can be happy. Let me prove myself. What's amazing is that my parents, as I've gotten older, by no means did they actually ever think this way. It wasn't what they did, it's what I perceived that they were doing. That's why at 38 years of age, I still have to confront the lie. Otherwise, I find myself lacking contentment. How do you know you have a performance heart? You start seeing all sorts of simple symptoms. It's like um, you, you will, um, you'll never set boundaries. Let me just help some people in this room because sometimes people pleasers tend to be really, really generous. Your motivation's not always pure, but you tend to be really generous. Understand, you need to set a boundary as a giver because takers rarely ever do. What you'll do is you'll start saying yes to things that are not important and no to everything that's so important but you don't realize that it's a wound that's bleeding into your present. Maybe it's not the bruised heart or the performance heart, maybe it's the hardened heart. Typically, father wounds, a hardened heart shows up in people that have dealt with real abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. And what happens is, is our heart gets hard and what happens in our life is that we are unable to receive anything good. You can't receive a compliment. You can't receive encouragement. At its deepest form, you can't actually receive love. Imagine trying to take seed and plant it on concrete. You don't get any flowers on the concrete. Why? Because the soil is too hard. It's too tough. One of the great common misconceptions about a hard heart is that people, they think too shallow about it. And we think a hard heart means that you're bad or that you're evil. 
Can I just preach to some people in the room today that are struggling with a hard heart? You're not bad, you're not evil. The reason why you have a hard heart is because you were wounded and you were hurt. And so now you are putting out a self-protection mechanism. You are sparing more pain. You're developing thick skin. You don't let anything in because you don't wanna risk being hurt again. I felt like preaching to some women in this room because you are married to a man and you have convinced yourself that that man somehow is lacking emotional intelligence. You think that he's completely gone. You don't think he has any emotional depth, but I wish you could see him with new eyes today, that he's not actually somebody who's emotionally unstable or emotionally shallow. He's just a scared little boy who's backing his head into that shell and he's afraid to come out. And what he needs is he needs a woman of God who's patient, who will create a safe place that he can open up about what he's going through. What he needs is he needs a loyal friend who will listen and create an environment that he could be honest and vulnerable and maybe, just maybe, he'll pop his head out of that shell. Don't you lie to yourself today. That man, that child is deeper than you're giving themselves credit. Much, much deeper than you think. But the symptom of a hard heart is they live on the surface. So many times friends try to get vulnerable, they deflect and they use sarcasm. They move the conversation. Anytime someone has a hard heart in a marriage, as soon as the spouse tries to go deeper, they ice them out. It's not because they're bad. It's not because they're evil. It's because they're self-protecting. Their daddy issues have created trust issues trust issues. There's the bruised heart, there's the performance heart, there's the hardened heart, but there's also the addicted heart. And, and the addicted heart is exactly what you think it is. It's, it's somebody who is aware that I have cracks and I have holes, but I gotta patch these things somehow. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stop the leaking. I gotta stop the bleeding. And so what do we do? We do anything we can come up with to distract ourselves from the pain of the past. It's called self-medication. And we do all sorts of things to self-medicate. We don't talk nearly enough about it in church, but we do all sorts of creative things to try and fill our cracks and try and fill our holes. Some of us, we eat too much. Some of us, we starve ourselves. Some of us spend money. <laughs> Some of us try to make money. Some of us look to substances. Others of us look to relationships. We look to sexual encounters. All of it is someone who's trying to medicate the cracks and the holes. Let me say it this way. You are not your addiction. The addiction is the cage around you. And today is the day that you don't just become aware of it. Today is the day you make an adjustment. Come on, church. Somebody give God some praise in this place. I don't just want to make you aware of your pain. I want to help you adjust to it. Adjust to it. Why? Because unexamined cracks tend to break. You know, I just found this out, that if you go into a store to buy a helmet, and if you pick that helmet up, and if you drop that helmet on the ground, they make you buy the helmet. I didn't know this. Why? because the helmet is only designed for one collision. That when a helmet is dropped, it can develop a hairline fracture. You might not even be able to see it, but the next time the helmet has contact with something, it explodes. Because it was only designed for one collision. And what I've learned in life is that many of us, we have unexamined cracks in our life and we keep going through it, and we've got bruised hearts, and we've got performance hearts, and we've got addicted hearts, and we've got hardened hearts, and all the while we're leaking out, but we're not stopping to pause and consider, wow, these cracks, if I don't deal with them, I'm going to explode. That's why this collection daddy issues is so pertinent and so relevant, because when you have daddy issues, it shows up in every other relationship in your life. It just does. It shows up in your dating relationship. It shows up in your romantic life. It shows up in your marriage. It certainly shows up in your parenting. It shows up with your friends. 
You can't escape it. And what you don't realize is that every relationship you get into because you haven't healed and you haven't dealt with the cracks, as there's a little bit of friction, as there's a little bit of contact, you always explode. You ever wonder, it's like, man, I'm able to maintain, but then all of a sudden there's this explosion because there's a crack that you haven't examined. There's a crack that you haven't dealt with. I felt like telling some people in this room, you are trying so hard not to be your father that you don't even realize it in the process. You are becoming like the one who created your father. You're, you, you went backwards last week, some of you, and as you went backwards and you opened up those wounds, you got angry, you got upset, and all you're doing is blaming people from the past. And I'm telling you, as you're blaming people, you are becoming the very people that hurt you. You've got unexamined cracks, and if those unexamined cracks are not addressed and not dealt with, it's only a matter of time before you break. We explode and we break. And here we are in this state that we're hurt, that we can't receive, we can't give, we are broken. We need help. I need help. And you need help with the broken pieces of our heart. The alarm can keep going off, beep, 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 but you will just conform. You will just begin to identify, this is who I am. You'll start to celebrate your brokenness. You'll start to make way for your addiction. You'll start to plan your problems. on the calendar. We need help with these broken areas of our heart. And I'm so thankful for a God who says, I have a plan. I want to help you. I am a good, good father. You do realize that the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a story about a good father who is on a rescue mission to come and pick up his broken, hurt, traumatized kids. He says, I want to rescue you. I want to redeem you, but I want to restore you. Come on, somebody. Give him praise today. He wants to restore you. I love it because... If you know anything about the Bible, I don't expect that everyone here does, but the Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. We need both books to understand the entire story. But would you believe that the last book of the Old Testament is a prophecy by a guy by the name of Malachi? Listen to the last verses of the Old Testament. I want you to hear God's heart around this matter. Malachi chapter four, verse five. See I will send you the prophet Elijah. This is foretelling of John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus who made a way in the wilderness for Jesus, the healing agent to come. I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day that the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. I said at week one, but it's important that in America that you understand that one out of four kids grows up in a fatherless home. And God has always, always, always been on a mission to restore the home and to restore the relationship of fathers to their daughters and fathers to their sons and sons to their fathers and daughters to their fathers because it's in my earthly dad that I begin to get my first image and my first inkling of what my heavenly father looks like. Here's what's amazing is that from Malachi to Matthew, it's 400 years of silence. We don't have one recorded word from God in that time. All we have is the last word. And the last word that he gave us was that I'm going to send one and when he comes, he's bringing restoration to fathers and sons and sons to fathers. I'm so grateful. After 400 years of silence, the silence was broken with a little baby crying in Bethlehem. But I have to stop and I have to wonder, there's gotta be a cause to the pause. What is it that God wanted me to see? What is it that God wanted me to linger in just a little while longer that I would understand that this God who's a 
good heavenly father. He doesn't look like the ones who hurt you. He's not like the ones who ran out on you. He's not the one who abused you. You can trust this father. He says, I want you to wait for 400 years and recognize that when I come, I am coming with one who will bring restoration. And thank God, after 400 years of waiting, that little baby was born in a manger. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and last, Lily of the Valley, fairest of the fair. He came with a plan. For Jesus Christ came to this earth and God said, I have a plan. It's my son. And he will lay down his life. And as he lays down his life, he will break the curse. He will change the pattern around. You can find the forgiveness you have been looking for. I will heal you. But you ought to know, healing hurts. I wish someone would have told me this earlier. Every area of real, the deeper the wound, the bigger the pain, the more that healing's gonna hurt. Healing hurts, look at your neighbor say, healing hurts. Some of y'all don't realize this. Healing hurts, it hurts. My friend Greg tore his ACL up. That was a painful moment when he did it, but actually, as he did it, he learned to live with it. He actually kept playing pickleball. He kept playing flag football, had this big, huge knee brace. He just adjusted to the pain. But finally, he had to go in for surgery. And after he got out of surgery, he had to go to this thing called physical therapy. And you wanna ask that man about what hurts more? The breaking or the mending? And he would say that the mending is constant, chronic, Pain, it, it's painful, it's, it's painful. The healing, the healing hurts, it, it hurts to get better, it hurts to get well. So many of you, the reason why you don't get healed is because you know it hurts. You don't wanna get into that process, you don't wanna be in a cast, you don't want the restriction. But something tells me, if you go and you ask somebody who was threatened with the idea of never walking again, if you would say to them, hey, is it worth it to get healed? they would say, you better believe it's worth it to get healed. Because somebody who starts to walk into healing, what they will say to you is, it's painful, but I'm grateful. It's painful to get well, but I'm grateful. The fact that I can stand today, the fact that I can walk today, the fact that I can run today, Oh, it's painful, but I'm grateful. Anybody grateful for the healing power, the restoration of our God? It's painful, but I'm grateful. Someone say healing hurts. Healing, healing, healing hurts, healing hurts. Dealing with all these pieces hurts. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. It, it, it doesn't get solved on one Sunday from one sermon from me, it hurts. It's work, it, it hurts. It's painful, but, but, I'm, but I'm grateful I can stand again. I can walk again, I can run again, I can jump again. God sent Jesus, and Jesus is the one who brings our healing. Watch this, this is Isaiah chapter 53, I want you to see this, this is so beautiful. This is speaking of Jesus, that he, Jesus, was wounded. Someone say wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are, what's the word? We are, what's the word? And with his stripes we are healed. There's three words that often don't get talked about nearly enough in church. First word is the word sin. A lot of us know that word. And the word sin simply means to miss the mark. I, I don't measure up, I missed the mark. But the second word that we see in Isaiah 53 is the word transgression. And that word means to trespass, to, to willfully step over a boundary marker that you are aware of. What's powerful about this passage is that it says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. If you study the scriptures, you'll find out that Jesus, he shed his blood seven different times from his body. He was circumcised at birth. His beard was plucked. His hands took nails to him. His feet took nails. 
His side took a spear. He had a crown of thorns on his head and his back was beaten. Seven different wounds. Seven throughout the scripture is the number of completion. And Isaiah is letting you know that Jesus Christ, he paid the price, the penalty for all of your infirmity, for all of your sin, for every one of your trespasses. It's paid in full. It's paid in full. It's the gospel. It's good news. But the third word is this word iniquity. Everyone say iniquity. And this word is a little bit about what we were talking about last week. Iniquity by definition means to bend or to be distorted. It speaks of a proclivity or a pattern or, or a, a continual weakness in a certain direction. My little daughter, Waylon, just celebrated her first birthday a couple months ago. She's just I'm like, stop getting bigger. They're putting ponytails in her hair. I'm like, stop it. I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak. I'm like, here's my wallet, what do you want? She's beautiful. I'm gonna tell you, she's, there is no daughter more beautiful than Waylon Wesley Wilkers. No, I mean, I know you say it's subjective. It's objective. I took a survey, trust me. She, she's, she's the best. But we don't like to admit it, but Waylon, my daughter, People online will love this. My daughter was born bent. As beautiful as she is, as precious as she is, she's born bent. She's headed in the way of her mother and father, her grandparents. There's, there's, a, there's a direction, there's a weakness there, there's a pattern there. Sin is her nature. I know that's heavy to hear for some of you, but it's, it's her identity. But I just love the fact that Isaiah says that Jesus was bruised for our iniquity. Bruise is different from a wound. A wound scabs over and heals, but a bruise can last long. Sometimes a bruise can go as deep as to the bone. But I'm so grateful that Jesus, he says, I was bruised for your bent. (laughs) I, I, I was bruised for your pattern. You got some sin that's been lasting long. You have a pattern that's been going on for generations. You better know my body bears the bruises that my healing lasts even longer than your iniquity. The gospel is simple that Jesus Christ, he was sent on a rescue, restoration, redemption, mission. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God, the Father, made him who his only begotten son, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. That is powerful. It's saying that if you put your trust and your faith in Jesus, that all that curse, all that sin, all that iniquity, all those wounds from the past, that you are not that any longer, but now God the Father looks down upon you. He doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. Righteous, holy, blameless, and pure. And I talk to people and say, but Pastor Rich, I don't feel very righteous. There's no way I could be righteous. Pastor Rich, that's, I'm not righteous. That's too shocking, that's too surprising for me. I think you're reading the passage wrong. It's not surprising to me that you have been made righteous. What's surprising to me is that Jesus was made to be sin. You've got your focus on the wrong thing. Who is this God that said, I'm not just gonna die for you, I'm gonna die as you. I'm gonna give you my righteousness and I'm gonna take all of your sin. Don't be surprised that you're righteous. Be surprised that Jesus became sin. Sin. He sinned, he sinned, he sinned. And so Jesus, he comes and he says, you're righteous if you're in me. Some of you, this is the first church you've ever gone to. And you've got generations of patterns of brokenness and toxicity. But if you're in Christ Jesus, you are, you're you're righteous. You're right, you've been forgiven. Clean slate, past, present, and future. But if you're gonna follow Jesus, he says, now I want you to model what I've done for you. That if you've received my forgiveness, I now want you to give forgiveness. 
See, I'm convinced today that the path of healing, whether we talk about it this Sunday or next Sunday or the following Sunday, at some point we have to start talking about this word forgiveness. And I'm slow to say it because there's people in this room that are dealing with real wounds. And even right now, as I say that word, you're kind of tightening up and you're angry at me saying, it can't be that simple and it can't be that easy. And don't give me that cliche. Friends, forgiveness is not a cliche. But many of you in this room, it's unforgiveness that's robbing you of peace. It's unforgiveness that's keeping you broken. It's unforgiveness that's confiscating your joy. It's unforgiveness that's delaying your destiny. It's unforgiveness that's stopping you from walking into the glorious future that your heavenly father has prepared in advance for you, but you're never gonna get there holding on to the wounds of the past. Unforgiveness, it's, it's drinking poison, thinking that you're gonna hurt the person who hurt you. It never works, it only hurts you. And so Jesus offers us forgiveness, which creates our righteousness. But then he challenges us to forgive others. And as we forgive others, it leads to our restoration. And what a lot of people won't tell you, but you can hear it from me. There's no getting around it. Forgiveness hurts. Because when I forgive, I don't forget. When I forgive, what I'm choosing to say is I'm, I'm, I'm letting go. I'm absorbing the pain. I'm absorbing the wound. You, you hurt me, but I'm releasing you. You hurt me and I'm choosing not to get vengeance. You let me down, you lied to me, you betrayed me. You wounded me, but I'm letting you go. And I'm gonna walk through that pain with my heavenly father and I'm gonna deal with that pain. Here's what I firmly believe, especially those of you that are not Christians today, those of you that are watching online that you're, you don't believe in Jesus. I don't know how you forgive without the cross. Because when I look at my wounds, I have to filter my wounds through his wounds. I have to release my forgiveness through the lens of the cross of Calvary because it's only at the cross that I get a picture of what he did for me and it's what he did for me that allows me to do for you what I must do for you. I gotta let it go, I gotta release it. I gotta release it, I gotta release it. And if I had more time, I'd teach it better, but the best way that we learn how to forgive properly is to look to Jesus. You realize that Jesus is a picture for every part of your life every part of your life. Jesus in his last 12 hours gives us the most beautiful picture of what forgiveness looks like. I, I look to the cross, what did Jesus do? Well, you have to acknowledge the pain. You have to acknowledge it. Some of you, you, you won't even look at it. The more you neglect it, the more it gets infected. What does Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane? From the beginning, he is the Lamb of God who was slain since the foundations of the universe. Just think about that for a moment. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's like, hey, Dad, uh, I don't know about this plan. It, it says that his soul was stricken unto death. He's hurting. Dad, uh, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. What's he doing? He's acknowledging the pain. He's acknowledging the moment. He's not running from it. He, he's aware of it. But you don't just acknowledge, man, you have to care for yourself. Imagine getting hit by a car and you're on the stretcher, your, your leg is all, do you forgive the driver? It's like, I don't even know, I'm just trying to. Do you forgive the driver? I'm bleeding. It's like, no, you have to go and get care. Some of you, 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 you desperately, 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 you need, you need to care for yourself. It's hard to love other people if you don't love yourself. And some of you, you're not very good to yourself. I'm not saying to put yourself above everyone. I'm just saying you have to care for yourself. I don't know what that looks like. It's probably boundaries. Let's start there, boundaries. Yo, that's toxic pe I need some boundaries. I love this. I'm gonna love you from a distance. There's some people in my life, I have to love them from a, I love you, but you gotta stay over there for this season. I'm gonna love you from, hey, hey, God bless you. Hi, God bless, from a distance. I'm not ready for that relationship again. You hurt me. 
I forgive you, but, but, but yo, I need some boundaries. By the way, anybody who will not receive your boundaries is probably the exact person who needs your boundaries. You probably need some therapy. You need a guide. I, I said it last week, don't go backwards alone. That's dark and scary. You start coming up with narratives. You start identifying with your holes and your brokenness. Probably need a community. Probably need encouragement. Probably need some friends that'll listen. I don't go to crew for Bible teaching. I go to crew for fellowship. I wish some of y'all could recognize that fellowship is probably your problem. You probably don't need another Bible lesson. Go to YouTube, they're all over the place. You need a real person who listens to you and says, I'll pray with you and I'll encourage you. And crew season's coming up, get into crew. You need to go to prayer. What does Jesus do? Jesus says, can you keep watch with me for one hour and pray? What's he doing? He's caring for himself. The son of God looks at his friend and says, can you pray? Can you pray with me? It's a picture of forgiveness. I'm about to do, this is hard. This hurts really bad. I don't even want to, if it could pass, let it pass. But I recognize it and I'm here, I'm not running from it. And friends, brothers, can you, can you pray with me? But at some point, ooh, you have to choose empathy. At some point, oh, this is, this is stages. This is process to forgiveness. At some point, you have to make meaning out of the wound. At some point, you have to make meaning out of the evil. At some point, you have to tell yourself a new story. At some point, in order to have closure, you're gonna have to understand why that thing happened. And there's way too many stories and way too much pain for me just to sum it up that way. But I just know in my life, after I had kids, I recognized, oh wow, we were all kids back in the day. I never even thought about my dad being a child until I had a child. I, I, that, never, that thought never went in my mind that my dad one day was four years old. I, I never even thought about that. And what I've learned in life is that when I deal with difficult people, I always stop and go, well, you know what? You used to be a cute little four-year-old. <laughs> what happened to you? Who dropped you? Who hurt you? Because what you'll find out is that your daddy who hurt you probably had a daddy hurt him. I'm not excusing it for one moment. I'm saying your healing and your restoration comes in you forgiving. I acknowledge the pain. I care for myself. What did Jesus do from the cross? Father, forgive them. For why? Because they do not know what they're doing. He made meaning. Forgive them. Uh, I'm going to take this as a moment as they're confused. They have no idea who I am and they have no idea who they're hurting. The one who came to save them is the one they're rejecting. The one who came to love them and embrace them is the one that they are pushing back. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm empathizing. I'm putting my feet in their shoes. They don't know what's going on. But lastly, you have to surrender to God. Because from that cross, as he hangs wounds in his hands and his feet and in his side, he says, Father, unto you I commit my spirit. And the only way I can forgive is when I finally choose to surrender to God. And say, God, I give it back to you. I release it to you. I trust in you. I believe you're a good heavenly father who wants to pick me up and wants to hold me and wants to heal me. And so I'm trusting in you. And so I'm, I'm aware all these broken pieces. I'm aware of these shattered parts of my life. And so I recognize I've been, I've been hurt. I broke along the way. And I start to care for myself. I start getting into crew. And I start talking to a counselor. Start setting some healthy boundaries. And I start I start bringing these pieces back together. At some point on the journey, I, I, I look at the one who hurt me, my oppressor. I, I look at the one who, who did damage to me and I see them for the broken child that they are. Hurt people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. 
and I start to bring closure and I start to bring meaning. At some point though, with all these broken pieces, I just have to go, God, I surrender to you. You're, you're the source of life. I'm so tired of forming my own cisterns. I'm so tired of trying to step into my future without you. I'm so tired of putting everything else first. I don't know how to do it. And so Lord, I just throw myself into you. And I just believe as I throw myself into the presence, into the love of the Father, that Lord, you can heal me. Lord, you can redeem me, that you, you can restore me. And I believe that this broken heart that's bleeding out, Lord, it can be put back together. And I'll learn to guard this heart. I'll learn to fight for this heart because I recognize, Lord, that it's in my heart that you fill me up. And Lord, with a brand new heart, I'm now able to receive your blessing. I'm able to contain your purpose. I'm able to contain your affirmation. And watch this. Now I'm able to pour into others. I'm able, I got something to give. I got something to, to pour out. And I go right back to the Father and He fills me up again. It's not a job. It's not a title. It's not popularity. I've got what the world can never give me. I've got healing that only comes from a good, good, good Father. Come on, somebody give God some praise today. Somebody give Him some praise. Something tells me, as you're standing on your own two feet, and as you see yourself start to minister to others, and start to share from your testimony, as you pour into other people, what you're gonna recognize is, yo, it was painful, but I'm grateful. Healing hurts, forgiveness hurts, but I stand as a testimony to say, it's worth the hurt. It's worth the hurt. It's it's worth the hurt. Come on. Come on, if you believe it today. Come on, Voo Church. Come on, if you believe it, if it's worth the hurt. Come on, can you go ahead and give God a shout of praise? Thank you for listening to today's message. At Vu, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we wanna create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we wanna partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.